everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host, and as you might have heard, testing out some different intro music, guys, trying to mix things up here. Uh, we've had 153 episodes. This is number 154. Again, thank you so much for those of you that have been with me since the beginning. Thank you so much for those that have tuned in and are sharing the show. Keep doing so, guys, and uh, hopefully continue to provide you with great content, good conversations. Today being a solo episode, it being Wednesday, uh, gear reviews on Monday. Hope you guys are enjoying all of that. And of course, this being the Wednesday episode, it's a little bit shorter, uh, usually around 15, 20 minutes, guys, where I just talk about either a quote, a story that I have for you guys, something that will keep you intrigued, while I'm doing a solo episode, <laughs> hopefully providing you with some great ideas and things that you can learn from. As I've, again, I'm going through this journey along with you. You guys know the goal of this podcast, the goal of Redbeard Outdoors is to encourage people to live happier, healthier, more successful lives, implementing the four aspects that I always talk about, faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. I know I'm not the only one that talks about it, and there's a reason for that, guys, because Implementing those things into your life on a consistent basis will bring you consistent success. So people that I've noticed do that, I love to bring them on the podcast, have conversations with them on Saturdays, so always look forward to those episodes. Uh, but today being the solo episode, I have a great story for you. It's kind of bittersweet. I'm excited to share it. I'm not the best storyteller. I'm getting better at this, but this is a personal one, so... I'm excited to share it with you guys. Hopefully you can pick some nuggets out of it and learn from it, uh, learn from my mistakes, my successes, and we can go from there. I want to give a quick shout out to the show sponsors, the show affiliates, the people that keep this ball rolling. And I just love sharing them with you guys because honestly, it's equipment, gear, nutrition that I use so that I enjoy life better. And I want to pass on discounts to you guys. Go check them all out down below. I leave the links down there so you don't have to memorize anything. Of course, First Form, First Form Outdoors. Go join the group on Facebook. And of course, Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook. Love to have you over there, guys. And uh, we're doing challenges all through November. Definitely great groups of individuals that are on there trying to better their lives as well. And you can find people that you can mesh with. And that's key. That's a really big thing with social media that we forget it's kind of the reason why we have it social media right you want to get on there and be social learn from other people uplift other people and hopefully they're uplifting you as well so go join those groups on facebook guys if you don't have facebook shoot me an email the emails down below i'd love to get you in on the weekly calls that we have uh, with first form outdoors and redbeard's fit crew definitely want you over there so you can better your life now after this podcast, you can go check out all the awesome sponsors and uh, companies that I get to work with. But today is a great bittersweet story that I want to share with you guys. Just recently happened, actually. So it's fresh on my mind. I want to share it with you. I'm super excited. Let's get this ball rolling. So as you know, if you follow me on Instagram, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. If not, you probably know that I've been out mule deer hunting. And here in Utah, we get our normal season, which ends sometime in September, 
And then there's a there's specialized units that you get to hunt on what's called the extended. And so if you're shooting with a you know archery equipment, you can go all the way through the end of November for mule deer. And then it's sometime in December for elk in these specific areas. So I've been going after mule deer. And this is my first year with a bow in my hand going for a mule deer buck. Last year I got a doe. It was a great experience. Of course, I got to see some cool bucks. Obviously wasn't going after them. This year has been a blast. I've gotten to see everything from spikes to four points. We got to see a five by three, which is pretty cool. Um, some heavy mass, some spindly guys. Heads buttoned during the rut, noses to the ground as they're chasing does. All of that has been super exciting. And the nice chilly mornings getting out there, getting up before they're even up and uh, watching them as they get out of their beds in the morning. And then watching them go to their beds at night. It's so fun. I really enjoy it. Uh, a lot more than I have in the past. Because in the past, it's been mainly rifle. And then I, I had a, a muzzleloader tag last year for a buck. Um, but man, there's nothing like watching deer in the rut. Uh, again, it's for me, still not comparable to getting to elk hunt in that time of year in September during their rut. But it's it's pretty close up there. Guys, if you haven't hunted deer, especially mule deer, in November, uh, I highly recommend that you either go with someone or if you're a hunter yourself, go do it. Go test it out. It's a lot of fun. And so I've had quite a few stalks that I've been able to put on some bucks. Uh, I've had some very close encounters uh, with multiple bucks and just, just have had a great season so far. Uh, shout out to my wife. She is amazing at always making sure that I have the time that I, I want. I don't, because it's not a, for me, it feels like a need. But in all reality, looking from the outside in, it's a want. It's something that I'm pursuing. It's a lifestyle that, that I've chosen. And she supports that wholeheartedly. Thank you so much to my beautiful wife, Katie. Thank you for holding down the fort while I'm up in the mountains so much. <clears throat> anyway, so... I've been up there chasing deer, and on Thursday, I went up before we went to North Carolina uh, for my brother's wedding this last weekend. And as I was up there chasing these mule deer, um, I so I hiked up in the morning, and it was around, I was noticing that almost an hour to an hour and a half after official sunrise is when they actually started to move. So I found these three bucks, and I had told myself I'm not shooting anything less than a two-point. I got my spike last year, last day of the muzzleloader hunt. I'm not doing spikes anymore. It's got to be two-point or better. And that's just a personal thing for me. If you shoot a spike, if you shoot a doe, no judgment from me, guys. Just a personal goal. So, two-point or better. And I found these three young bucks that were bedded in kind of some open stuff, open enough that I could see them about halfway up the hillside. And it looked like it was it was doable, right? And they... They saw me coming because um, in this particular draw, there's kind of a, a smaller or shorter ridge that runs up the middle. And that's what I was hiking up. So I saw him and I said, great, I'm going to put a stalk on him, see if I can get close. At that point, I was about 150 yards away and I wasn't getting any closer in a direct line to them because, again, they were staring at me. There was a lot of thick oak, scrub oak and 
stuff like that going on. So there's no chance. And so I got up to a hiking trail, walked around to get above them. And that trail put me out at about 115 yards from these bucks. And they were still bedded. And I was just watching them, trying to make a game plan. It was all pretty steep um, and open to, between me and them. So there was no real getting getting in close to them without alerting them that I was there. On top of that, of it being steep, it had just snowed the night before. So there was a lot of slick involved as well. So I'd be sliding down the mountain trying to shoot a deer <laughs> while I'm sliding down the mountain on, on my butt. So I decided not to do that. And I waited there for a little bit. And then the, these hikers were coming up behind me, enjoying the beautiful sunrise and, you know, just how the mountains are after a fresh snowfall. And, and so that kind of alerted them to looking up. They all kind of stood up a little bit, just nonchalantly. And then they spotted me trying to make a move in closer to them. And so they kind of split up and two of the bucks went one way and one went down into this little ravine. And then he happened to pop up uh, closer, but it was still at pretty much my, what I would consider a effective range. It was at the very edge of my effective range. And I'll be honest with you guys. I was kind of, I was kind of justifying taking this shot because I had somewhere I needed to be. Um, you know, I, I wanted to make this stalk work and I was kind of forcing my hand a little bit, a little bit more than I probably should have. I should have had some more patience. I still had just about almost three, four weeks left in the month. And, uh, either way, this buck gets to where I thought was a comfortable shot for me. It was at the, kind of the end of my comfort zone, but it was still there. I'm confident in my equipment. I'm confident in my ability. And so I draw back is a super steep downhill. And what I can remember is, and this is thanks to Joel Turner being present in the shot, practicing my shots. I, I shoot daily, at least a couple of arrows, a handful of arrows daily, just to make sure I'm, I've got my routine, my technique down. Um, I don't shoot at distance necessarily daily or nearly as frequently as I probably should, but I do shoot a handful of arrows every day going through my shot process. So I go through my shot process. I anchor, I aim, I get my bubble level. And again, this is super steep downhill. So that bubble kind of made me feel like I was a little off. If anyone has shot up or downhill, you understand what I'm talking about. But I got the bubble level and put the pin on them. And then I start my process of pull and that's what I say in my head is just pull until it broke <clears throat> the shot broke and from my perspective I saw the arrow flying and anyone that has shot an animal at distance at any distance it feels like forever <laughs> my buddy Clint said that when he shot his doe at it was 60 something yards he said it felt like he could he sat down read the declaration of independence and got up and it was still in the air <laughs> it just feels like forever but i i watched it and from what i saw it looked like it buried into the deer right around the liver area so i knew i'd hit it further back than i wanted 
And I was a little concerned about that. Uh, but he, I heard the thwack. I heard, or I saw him kick. And he ran down this, uh, into this other little part of the draw where I lost sight of him. And I see all the other bucks that I had counted earlier, all the does. They all head out and over another ridge. And I, I, I waited a little bit, talked to the hikers. I was excited. My adrenaline was flowing. I called my wife. I was so confident in the shot that I called her and said that I had gotten my deer. She was excited. Anyway, I, I sit there and wait for a little bit and watch as all the deer kind of funnel out of the draw. And then I, I make my way down to where the deer was standing when, when I hit him with the arrow. And I get down there and I'm expecting to see blood and, you know, the things that you see at, at, a, at a site where you just shot an animal. And all I saw were the, the spot, what was the spot where uh, the, the tracks were obviously in distress, where he had kicked, jumped, and run off. But I didn't find my arrow. And I saw zero blood. So that concerned me a little bit because I was super confident that I had hit him. I, I even saw a poof of what was either snow, condensation, frost, whatever, as the arrow sunk into his body. And so I, I was super confident. Like I said, I even called my wife. Usually I wait until I get up on the animal to call um, or I've seen the animal fall before I call anyone. Uh, but I was just so confident that I, I had already called her. <clears throat> and, uh, and it was it was kind of disappointing. So I keep looking for the arrow, keep looking for the arrow, can't find the arrow. It's pretty thick over there. So, you know, I, I was hoping to find it, but not necessarily expecting to. Uh, plus the little fresh layer of snow that had fallen. So, you know, who knows if I'm going to find this arrow. Uh, so I start following the tracks of this deer so he was the only one that had gone this particular way and like i said it was fresh snow that had not been walked on so it was pretty obvious what tracks were his and i'm following it and following it and there's still no blood so i follow and look for about an hour to an hour and a half ish to where i was satisfied in the fact that maybe i had missed maybe i'd missed maybe i had and i went back up to the the site where I thought I'd hit him and I look up towards the, uh, towards where I'd shot from. And there were some tiny branches that could have possibly interfered with this arrow. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe in my excited mind, I thought I saw the arrow sink into uh, the animal and the poof of snow or condensation um, from his fur Maybe it was actually what had happened was I had hit a branch and some snow had flown off there. And like I said, I watched all the all the deer funnel out. Uh, none of them were limping. None of them were bleeding. None of them had holes in them uh, from what I could see through my binoculars. And, and so I, and I thought I'd counted all the same amount of bucks and does. So after spending that time looking for the deer... I was a little disappointed, but at the same time, you know, a clean miss is better than a, a wounded animal. 
So I was, I was okay in that. I took solace in that and I hiked out. Well, we go to North Carolina, had an amazing weekend spending time with family. For those of you that don't know, I'm from North Carolina originally. Uh, you know, just great time. My brother got married. I was the best man. It's just awesome experience. Well, coming home on Monday, I got a text from, or I guess it was a message or a text. I can't remember. I get those things mixed up. But either way, I got a, a text or a message from a buddy of mine that was hunting in a same, the same area that I had been hunting. <clears throat> and uh, he told me how he had kind of blown a stalk and he's seen some nice bucks in there still. And we were talking about how I was excited to get back, get back to it, uh, coming back from North Carolina. And then he said, but you know, what was interesting is I, I came across this, this buck that had been shot and it looked like he'd been shot a little far back. And he sent me the picture and I looked at it and in my head, I'm like, Oh man, that really sucks. And then I was like, wait, that kind of looks like the buck that I shot. And so I, you know, we're back and forth and he had no idea that I had shot a buck on Thursday or shot at a buck on Thursday. And, uh, and so he, you know, he sent me that, that picture and, and I asked him to drop a pin where he found the buck. And sure enough, that buck was less than a hundred yards from where I had shot. Or at that point I was thinking I had missed the buck on Thursday. So today I go up and uh, go and inspect kind of the area. And sure enough, that was the buck that I had shot. Obviously, he's been out there for a couple of days. You know, I checked the meat. Some of you guys may think it's gross. It is what it is. It's been freezing out here, at least freezing temperatures enough to preserve meat. Uh, as in if, if it was in a fridge, if you had left it out, maybe in a bag or something in the shade. This guy had ended up dying in kind of an open area. So he had been having the sun, the fluctuations of temperature. I think the highest it might have gotten was the mid-40s, but if the sun's baking on him all day, it was probably a little bit warmer than that. So, you know, I went to go skin him, and he just you could just tell it was rancid. So I decided not to, to salvage any of the meat, um, and I, I tagged him, uh, took the head and the antlers, of course, and left. So... Why did I share that story with you guys? Well, this was my first archery buck. I've, I've killed bucks with a muzzleloader, rifle, um, and I'm, I would say I'm a good shot. That's not me trying to be cocky, but I'm a good shot. Okay, I, I, I don't really keep score at total archery challenge, etc., but I can shoot at distance well. And... Inspecting the deer, uh, what had happened and why there wasn't any blood was because the, he was slightly quartered to me, but because I was such a steep angle, my shot had actually gone in a little high in the top third of the animal, and it was back lung, like back part of the left lung and liver, and then it had actually come out the opposite end hind quarter. So it had gone all the way, run all the way through, uh, guts. And so what I think happened and why he didn't 
leave a blood trail was because the entry wound was too high up on him to leave a blood trail and the exit wound got plugged up with with guts which happens and because when i found him he was laying there and there was obviously a, a, a pool of blood around him from where he had laid down and it, the entry wound finally did bleed so something else to go with that is that the spot where i stopped tracking his his tracks you know thinking as they got mixed in with other deer and not knowing which ones were his and assuming that he was one of the bucks that made it over safely over the ridge i didn't see anyone limping anything like that the spot where i stopped if i had taken three more steps and looked to my left down into this little ravine that's where he had bedded so long story long i've learned that yes i can be confident in my shot and it was a good shot uh for the most part but i could have done better so for me what that means is that this is a great learning experience it sucks that i can't salvage any of the meat um, and it's definitely not some monster antlers you know that i'm going to brag about but i will remember this for the rest of my archery career because i forced a stalk and a shot that could have been good but any factor maybe that branch did hit it and it hit back a little bit whatever I didn't uh, spend more time tracking it because I ran out of time on the day that I had shot him. And there's so many things that, that I ended up losing because of the choices I made in the field. Now, what do I hope that you gain from that? One, don't be overconfident. It's good to be confident, but also set those limits for yourself uh, that are well within reason, especially when you're dealing with another creature, another animal's life, something that is sacred. And I, I had kind of an emotional moment because uh, I feel bad that I didn't get to use the resources, which is the whole reason why I hunt, is to use the resources that the animal provides. I don't keep the hide, but I generally, I keep some of the organs and all of the meat to provide for my family. That's the main reason why I hunt. I also very much enjoy the journey, the hiking, the spotting the animals, putting on the stalks. Uh, and I enjoy getting out in the mountains. I enjoy using my fitness for what I, I've trained for. But... I'm going to take that. That was a failure on my end. I did the right thing. I feel uh, closure or whole in that aspect to where I didn't just ignore my friend's text that he had no idea whether I had shot a buck or not. I took it on myself because I know what is ethical and why I hunt. And I hope that you would do the same in that situation. Yes, it sucks that I spent a year 
shooting my bow or more more than just a year shooting my bow every single day to be proficient and then in the end I'm not able to harvest the end goal which is to to bring meat home for the family that absolutely sucks and like I said I kind of had an emotional moment up there on the mountain uh just showing my respects because I I really do respect the animal and I, I respect what God has given us in his creations of these beautiful creatures, whether it be deer, turkey, elk, if you're a fowl hunter, waterfowl hunter, uh, you know, all of those things that he's created for us to be able to have the the meat to bring home. Yes, we can go to the grocery store, we can buy a cow from our local butcher, but the whole experience and being part of nature is why, a big reason why I hunt. And so I had that moment, I tagged out, uh, just not the experience that I wanted for me in my first year archery hunting for mule deer buck. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to learn from it. My biggest lesson is don't rush. Don't force the issue. I should have let him go. I didn't get close enough. Or, I should have continued tracking. I should have kept going. Because he was seriously not even 15 yards from where I stopped tracking. Because I, I ran out of time and I didn't see any blood. So, thought I had had a clean miss. So, all of, for all of those reasons, guys... I want to share that story with you. So technically, yes, I tagged out. I got a buck. My first archery mule deer hunt experience, I tagged out. But just not in the way that I was hoping. Obviously, I pictured it. It's going to be a perfect heart shot. Get to save all the meat. Have a great experience with the kids. It's going to be this awesome deer, awesome experience. Great meat for the freezer. That's not how it turned out. And I have no one or nothing else to blame but me. So I'll come back from this. I'm going to be stronger next time in my will to fight against my own desires and, and wants when I'm out there in the field. And, uh, and to have a little bit more respect. Because honestly, guys, that, that's the thing that draws me to archery so much is that there is so much to it that you put in. You have to get closer to the animals. You have to be better with your equipment because any gust of wind, any your bubble's not level on your sight, uh, up and down hills super steep. If you're not anchoring in the same spot, if you're not hinging at the... like, There's so many things that need to go into shooting a bow. And then you can go even further and go into recurve, etc. But even just a compound bow, it's not easy. So I'll take the win, the fact that I tagged out. But I will also take the loss of the meat and not having the experience that I had planned for myself. Taking that, running with it, learning from it, and again, sharing that with you guys because that that's just the truth of what it is to archery hunt. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. 
you're going to, there's some animals that if you don't train, even if you do shoot every single day, like I do, you're still going to have things that will mess you up. So now I need to go train out at distance more often. I need to make sure I'm dialed in and have a legitimate, comfortable, effective range. Because the deer, the elk, the turkey, they all deserve that from me. So there's my story, guys. <clears throat> Hope you're able to learn from it. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let me know what you think. Shoot me an email. Send me a message on Instagram. Come join me over on Redbeard's Fit Crew. Shoot me a uh, message over there on Facebook. Uh, First Form Outdoors. Come join us over there, guys. Love to have you. If you got something from the show, please share it. Leave a review wherever you listen to it. If you're listening to it on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate it, guys. The growth is outstanding. We continue to push forward, and I couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you so much. Again, hopefully you got something out of it, and if you did, share it with others. Let them know to come and listen to Redbeard Outdoors Podcast. Have an amazing rest of your week, guys. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.